0: Well, a new year begins. Uh, Usually, uh, for me, it takes about a month before I quit putting 2012 on a check. Does anybody else have that problem? Oh, man, it's 2013. Uh, New year, and so new beginnings, and opportunity for us to uh, to be challenged by what God wants us to do uh, this new year. You know, as you think about... Opportunities to begin a, a year in a fresh way and and try to have a different perspective and sometimes it, it takes a phrase or a a couple words to kind of center what you want to be or do. Uh, one way you could put it is uh, in 2013 I want to be on God's agenda and uh, that's the title of the message this morning, God's agenda. And really, what it is 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 a is a look back at what's really most important to God. Uh, we're in a series in the Book of Genesis and as we go through the series in the Book of Genesis. And I'm looking for any of my notes, which I don't know what I did with them. Um, that's always a good thing to have is when you're preaching, knowing what you're going to say. Uh, oh, here, yeah, here we go. I don't have many notes, but I, what I have, I, I guess I better look at. All right. Is is what's on God's agenda is people. And we're going to see in the past we're going to look at this morning is that, that people are kind of the center of it. And I'm going to kind of spin it a certain way. There's a, a variety of ways we could get into this particular text. But, but I want us to be uh, just clear as we begin 2013 that we need a, to refresh or reorient ourselves and be all about God's agenda and not our own. To have him uh, write out our to-do list rather than ourselves and, and to prioritize what's most important. You know, as you look at the book of Genesis, Genesis is a book of beginnings. In fact, that's what the word Genesis really means, its beginnings. And as you think about this, as God reveals himself uh, to this universe, uh, you, you find out pretty clearly uh, what happens once he does that. As you look at all the Bible, and we've said this before, you can really kind of summarize all the Bible with four words, creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. In the book of Genesis, you have uh, two of them happening fully and a third beginning and then kind of a promise of the fourth. Is God creates and when he creates everything is good and then very good and then we mess it up and that's what the Bible calls the fall. We sin, we rebel against God and because of that this, this creation which is still magnificent is marred or, or flawed or it has defects because of us ruining it with our rebellion against God. But God is not going to leave us in this state. And so he begins the story of redemption, bringing us back into relationship to him and making all things that have been ruined new. And that's what eventually will happen in restoration. But as we see that as a God's big program, we need to understand it. As God reveals himself, the most important things that he made in all this universe are people. And we see that in the very beginning. In fact, the distinction between creation being good and when he brought mankind into this world, Adam and Eve, it was very good. And as he reveals to us how important people are, he not only gives us the populace, all the people in the world, and we hear some descriptions about that, but he also centers particularly on individuals or uh, couples, as as it were. And you see the story of Adam and Eve, and then you see another major character in the book of Genesis, Noah and Mrs. Noah. We don't particularly know her name, so Noah and Mrs. Noah. Then you have Abraham and Sarah, and then you have Isaac and Rebecca. And, and where we are now in this beginning of the new year is, is halfway through this book. We're in Genesis chapter 25, and there's basically 25 chapters left, uh, 50 chapters in this book. And in it, we focus again that people are important. And so as we think about being on God's agenda, and there's so many things, I mean, God left us a pretty big book to kind of understand how that to be lived out. At the top of that list on his agenda are people. And so as we go on this, this this new year, as we put God first in our life, we need to recognize as we put God first, then people need to be cared for that come into our relational world. Now, as we think about that, uh, it, it is so easy to get kind of lost on, on what's important. Anybody ever ever realize that after the fact? You look at, you know, maybe you look at back 2012 and you say, that was a lost year. I mean, not a whole lot happened that was really important. I, I let some opportunities go that I shouldn't have. I, I should have oriented my life a different direction. And it, it's kind of a lost world. And I hope when last year, I hope this, this new fresh year is a, 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 a year that where I find what's most important for my life. Now, I've had some experience in being lost, you know, and it's not a fun experience. <laughs> some of you, this is kind of an inside joke for the people who have been around here for a while. Uh, I, I was temporarily unaware of my location uh, uh, this summer when I, as I went on a kind of a hike and a journey. And it's interesting how people try to give me some things to, to prevent that from happening in the future. John and Pam Aldridge gave me a, a whistle so the next time I'm lost I can make a lot of noise and then on the back of it there's a compass and there's a compass so if i could figure out how to work it that might help me get back to civilization and, and then there was another group of people that that uh, decided well you know what you got to take with you next next time is, is a walkie-talkie all right now in this generation we we probably remember walkie-talkies as as a can here and a can here and a what a string and then you talk into it somehow you, you can be heard from at least some kind of a distance well you know I remember getting walkie-talkies to my kids, and they, they could go from one room to the next, and that was about it. This walkie-talkie is supposedly to be able to hear something from 27 miles. <laughs> so I guess they figured I'm going to get lost pretty easily. All right, But you know, it's one thing to be lost physically, and it's another thing to be lost spiritually. And really, we're lost spiritually at, at whatever level. I mean, one is knowing God in a personal way, and one is living out that life He has implanted you for and we're we're lost when we somehow miss his agenda, so what I want to do this morning is 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 kind of take that theme and kind of push it into the text that we're looking at and as we look again at beginnings, I kind of gave you the whole overview of creation, fall, redemption, restoration, important people in the book of Genesis as God focuses on individuals that that changed the course of history because he intervened in their lives and that now have infected us. We need to understand that God also instituted some things. Uh, we know that at the very beginning, he instituted the family or the home. And when Adam and Eve were brought together, they created a home. And we know just in the next chapter, they had children, Cain and Abel, and then the other children as well. And, and, and God has at the center of our lives that, that home, that place where we live. And we also know that God instituted the government to give bring in the midst of chaos some kind of direction so as people live together uh, there's order rather than disorder and then he also instituted the covenant relationship or fellowship of people as, as he as he brought in the nation of israel to be a blessing to this whole world and because of that there was a there was a people that were to be gathered together not to only shine for god individually but corporately and then we find in the new testament that god institutes the church What I I want to do this morning, kind of looking at this from a very pragmatic perspective, is that as we think about being on God's agenda, how how is that going to happen? And and where should it happen first? Well, it it, it ought to happen where we live. And and where we live is that we live in a home. Now, a home can be defined in a variety of different ways, and I'm not trying to look at this from a sociological perspective, but, but I'm saying where you live. That's where your faith needs to be lived out. And also where you live and how you live is where your influence needs to come from. It needs to flow out of there. We need to be influencing the people within our home and then let it spread out beyond there. There are 168 hours in a week. And depending on how much time we get you, we might get you for an hour a week. We might get you for two hours a week, some three hours, some up to five hours a week, some that live here. We might give a little bit more than that. But, but ultimately, most people, it's between three, two to, two to three or three to five hours a week uh, on a normal week-to-week experience. Well, if we only get you four or five hours a week and there are 168 hours a week, there's a lot left. And so what we want to do is we want to influence how you're living in the home. And as we go into this new year, there's some things that we're going to be trying to do to, to, to try to, in a very simple way, not not burn you down, but open up how you can build into your life spiritually at home as well as at church or even in life group. One of the ways we did this last year was with or these last quarters with these personal time with God sheets. But one of the things we're going to add to that is once a week, we're going to try to challenge you. Uh, to take a day where you share this within your your home. And if you don't have anybody living at home with you, you grab a neighbor and say, you mind if I read this passage of Scripture with you and we talk about it? Where You, you, just, you just connect that where I am, I want to, to live it out here as well. As we look at the story or the place we're at in the book of Genesis, we, we find that Abraham is, is at the end of his life. Abraham, is his name is actually used more than any other name, as, as far as I'm aware of, of any particular character in the Bible. His influence is huge. We're going to find out in the text, or we might not read that text, but he, he lives to 175 years of age. And he's now going to pass the baton on, and all of us need to recognize that at whatever level, that's our goal, is to pass the spiritual baton on to others. And in this, I think... It's, it's a perspective to see how God looks at the, the people He sees as most important in all of His creation. So, with well, that as a long introduction, let's race through what I want to say through this morning. God's agenda, it all begins in the home, so make it work in the home. And for that to happen, there's a few things that I think are going to be helpful for us. Number one is we need to be convinced... That children, and if, you, if you're taking notes, you can also just put in parentheses, people. Because it's interesting how in the Scripture, the Bible talks about uh, it's not the adults of Israel, it's the children of Israel. And if, if you are still growing, if you're still learning, if you're still developing, you're what a, what a child does. A child is in process of maturing. And hopefully none of us have got to the point where we're not learning anymore. Anybody here not learning anymore, not growing don't raise your hand because of what I just said, all right? But it is all of us are in that process of still growing and developing what God wants us to be. And so for that to begin with, people and children, which includes you, are gifts from God. I'm going to make some very simple observations out of the 25th chapter of the book of Genesis, just to kind of focus again on, on, on who it is that matters most to God. Now, part of this is interesting found even in the experience of Abraham. Remember the story of Abraham? Abraham gets called out of Ur. He's, he's, he's called to go to the promised land. He's given a promise by God that he's going to be the father of many nations. He's going to be the exalted father. And you're thinking, okay, that's a great promise. And he's thinking it's a great promise. But day in and day out, week in and week out, month in and month out, year in and year out, this exalted father, this father of many nations has no what? Children. No children. That, that's what I'm supposed to be. That's my that's my portfolio. That's my job description. That's what I'm supposed to do as as byproduct of receiving this, this promise from you. And he has no children. There comes a time where he and his wife, Sarah, decide, well, we got to help God out. You ever try to help God out? And I don't mean by being giving God your best, but I mean trying to kind of subvert his plan and try something else to somehow make something happen. And so they try to do that. So they get Hagar. Remember, they get Hagar and said, well, let's have a child through Hagar. That's somewhat socially, culturally acceptable that time. So maybe it's all right with God, even though they knew better. And so they have a child. It's Ishmael. Ishmael comes out and, and Abraham's excited about this child, loves him dearly. And God says, that's not the plan. I, I want you to trust me that I'm able to do much beyond what you're able to think I can do. And I also remind you that everything, every good thing that comes into your life is a gift from me. And so at, a, at an age, he's 100, his wife's 90. When they describe Sarah's womb as dead and Abraham past the age of bearing children, God gives them a what? A child. Or to put it in the, the phrase of what I want to say, is that he gives them a gift. Now, We need to understand that every child, every person that comes into this world is a gift from God. It has extreme he or she value. Every child in this world is made in the image of who? In the image of God. And they are a gift from God. There are no illegitimate children in this world. There are some children in this world that, that came from parents being not responsible to do it God's way. But every child is not an accident. Every child is a gift. And it's interesting how God emphasized that not only with Abraham and Sarah, but even after Sarah dies, and when we're at chapter 25, Sarah has already died. Sarah, uh, Abraham can't live alone. Men are very, very needy. Very, very needy. So when Sarah goes... Uh, he decides to get a new what? Wife. Let's pick that up the story finally in Genesis chapter 25. And I will go a little bit faster in a few moments, all right? Genesis chapter 25, verse 1. Abraham again took a wife, and her name was Katerah, and she bore him Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and, and Suah. Now, this is one of those things where you're your, when you're reading the Bible on your own, you go, I'm rushing through that text right there. But stop for a moment. What just happened there? Abraham, who thought he was beyond the age of having children, gets a new wife, and he gets all kinds of what? Children. Now, I just want to make a very simple observation. He was not expecting to have children. What he wanted was a life companion. He wanted a partner. He wanted someone to keep him warm. He wanted someone to to live the rest of his life with. He was probably not looking to be a a 100-year-old father again. I mean, how many of you in your age right now want to have babies in your home? right? Probably, you know, I'm beyond that. I'm They can come over and visit, but I don't want them 24 hours a day. Even some of you have grandchildren. It's fun to play with them, but you're thinking, I don't want them all the time. I just want them part of the time. All right. Well, he has not just one. I didn't count them, but what? How many other? one two three four five six six four, five, six. Six little babies. All right. Now, at that moment, he had to decide. He was praying desperately for a child. Isaac gets Isaac, and he probably was through, right? But God gives him other gifts, other children, other people that he wanted him to realize these are gifts from God. It's interesting, this story, Genesis chapter 25, we're kind of just kind of giving a a shotgun look at this chapter. His son, Isaac, has somewhat the same experience as his father, Abraham, in in terms of bearing children. Abraham uh, marries Rebecca. Uh, He was a mature man, age 40. And at age 40, Rebecca was young and vibrant, and I'm sure he thought, boy, the the litter's going to start popping out anytime soon. The first year happens, the second year happens, the third year happens, the fourth year happens, the fifth year, and I'll stop right there. 20 years later, they still have no children. Uh, Pick it up in Genesis chapter 25, verse 21. Now, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren, and the Lord granted his plea, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, there are various ways God gets our attention, particularly our attention that that we can't do everything on our own, that we need his help, that unless God provides, it's not going to come to pass. And for Rebecca and Isaac, just like Abraham and Sarah, they recognize unless God did something, they were going to be barren for life. They would not have a child. And so Isaac and Rebecca begin to pray. And in the Hebrew, it's an urgent, urgent beseeching. It's a, it's a, a desperate cry. And God answers their prayer. And they don't get, get and we're going to find out. They don't just get one child. They get what? They get two. Be careful what you ask for, right? <laughs> they, got, they got two children. And again, the simple point I want to make is, is that we need to recognize every good thing that comes to us is a gift from God, and particularly the children or the people that come into our life are gifts from Him because everyone's created in God's image. Everyone God loved enough to send His Son to die for, and these people have value. And so as we're on God's agenda going into this new year, as we, as we encounter people, and we're going to see later on, not every person we encounter is easy to love or even desirous to love, but they are gifts from God. You know, it's interesting what the Bible says in Psalm 139, verses 13 and 14. The psalmist writes, For you formed my inward parts, you covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. See, that's the attitude that we have, not only about ourselves, because we are a gift from God, we are special in God's eyes, but everyone is formed in a special way by God. And if that be true, then if we're going to be on God's agenda in our own life and in the lives of people that we connect with, particularly in the home, then we need to be intentional about what's important as we connect with people. Joshua said at the end of the time where they got into the promised land, he said, but as for me and my house, and we could say for me and my home, or if we were put in the Greek for me and my oikos, we will serve the Lord. Every, every journey begins with the first step. Every, every important thing that happens in your life begins with a commitment. And each year begins another fresh way to say, God, I want to be on your agenda. I want to say right now that my life is about serving you. Joshua influenced not only his own household. He, he spoke for his wife and he spoke for his children, but he was urging the nation to do it as well. And as he made that plea, and he doubted whether they could, they could break the past if you read the whole chapter. But this is what they say. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve. In his voice, we will obey. And of course, if we ever wonder, well, what does it mean to serve the Lord? It means to obey the Lord. Do what he says. And particular, the challenge there is for the leader of the home. And you fathers, and again, leadership is all about responsibility. It's not about Dictatorial authority. It's about responsibility. And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, and that's easy to do. If you want testimony, I can share with you all kinds of stories how to do that. But bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. And so as we begin about God's agenda, what's on God's agenda? Is people on God's agenda. People are gifts from God. Children are gifts from God. And we need to be intentional about influencing people to know the Lord and to serve the Lord. And when when they're in their home, when you're in your home or with the people in your home, then then do what you can. And again, we're going to share some things about how you can do that in the year to come about doing some simple things, not huge things, but simple things, but powerful things which will focus your attention upon the Lord. So, number one, God's agenda. Be convinced that children or people are gifts from God. Secondly, and this is kind of thrown in for free, is that that children and people are to be helpful later in life. Uh, Stop me here for a moment. You know, if, you ask, if you ask pastors what they like best about being, being pastors of a church, they'll say, it's the people. If you ask pastors what they like least about being a pastor of a church, they'll say, it's the people. And now, if that's true of pastors, isn't that true about parents? You know, what is it you like best about being a parent? It's the, it's the kids, I got. It's the kids. I mean, they're so fun to be with. I, I just invest my life in. And, and then you ask them another day, well, what do you like least about being a parent? It's the children. <laughs> it's the kids. OK, and so as we think about that, sometimes we're wondering all this time and money and energy and emotion. And as I'm pouring everything I have out into these people, what's the payback? Well, be encouraged. What you invest in can get a return. And and I'm not going to be anything more than that. They can be helpful. The story and I'm not going to read the text but in Genesis chapter 25, verses seven through ten. You have Abraham dying at the age of 175, and he says he died of a ripe old age, so he was ready to go. He breathed his last. And you know what happened? Isaac and Ishmael got together, and they were the ones who put him to rest with his wife Sarah in a particular place and a service dedicated to him. You know, Sometimes what we need to realize is that all the things we're pouring to people and we don't see a lot of return, it, it, there's going to be some payback. And and people do matter, and when you invest in people, there is a payback. And Isaac and Ishmael, and have you heard of, there's, there's some conflict with their descendants. Have you heard that in the Middle East? But in that day, those two brothers got together and honored their father. So, children, people are gifts from God. Children, people are going to be helpful. Thirdly, children will bring challenges. Now, we already talked about that, but there was a challenge in the very beginning with this birth, Okay? Look at verse 22, chapter 25, verse 22. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? Some of you uh, have gone through it, or you know others who have gone through it, have had problem pregnancies where things don't seem to be going right. And there's a variety of uh, reasons why that happened. But in this particular case, it wasn't that because... Somehow she wasn't going to come to term, but things were just not, they were just, it seems like the two little kids were fighting with each other. Well, what seemed was true. And what God does is reveals the the conflict within the womb. I mean, this is, this is amazing. He, uh, verse 23, so so he, she went to inquire the Lord, verse 23, and the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. Two people shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. You know, sometimes it's better when God doesn't tell us what's going to happen next. In fact, that's why he doesn't tell us all what's going to happen next. She got a little window in the future and said, guess what's going to happen? The normal order of things is going to be switched. That's going to be conflict just because of that. The older is, is going to be a subservient to the younger. That doesn't go very well, all right? There's going to be two divisions of people coming from this group. There's going to be a battle going on. As we think about the challenges that people bring into our life, and I and hope you're connected. I'm not only talking about children, but I'm talking about people. On God's agenda as people. And as we reach out to people, there are going to be challenges. Just like there are challenges in raising children in the same home, from the same parents, there's still challenges. They were twins. Twins are supposed to be more alike. Uh, I didn't say this in the first service, but uh, Mark, uh, my son, you know, married Lori, and and Lori's dad is a um, has an identical twin, and they talked about all the times how they are like uh, they are really like identical. They every they think the exact same way. They dress the same way. They just they approach things the same way. They even had a don't tell them I told you this, but anyway, they they. They had a marriage at the same time. They didn't even know. It. All of a sudden, they got this, it was a dual ceremony. I mean, it was just like amazing, but they still are different. People are, are, are different, and because of that, they're going to be challenges. Now, what's the response to that? Be prayerful. In 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 17, it says, Pray without ceasing. And so as we encounter people and we encounter even people within our own home and 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 it just it just it just seems like conflict all the time. Uh, There's some intentional things we can do, but above all else, when when challenges arise, don't panic, pray. Say, God, God, give me the strength, give me the wisdom. Give me the abilities I, I don't have within myself to do what is right. And then you'll influence people in a right way rather than a wrong way. Fourthly, children are different, which is kind of the same thing. But let's look at it in the the text. Verse 24, when her days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. He was like a hairy garment all over. So they called him his name, Harry. I mean, Esau. Esau means Harry. As afterward, his brother came out and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. So he uh, name was called he who. Reaches out for someone's heel. That's what Jacob means. It means usurper or or trickster. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. That's the 20 years. Remember I told you? uh, 40 years when they got married. 20 years later when the child comes. Children come. Verse 27. So the boys grew and Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field. But Jacob was a mild man, dwelling in tents. Now right there, they are different. Esau likes to be outside, and Jacob likes to be inside. Esau or Harry was a skillful hunter, kind of a bold guy, and Jacob was a what? Mild man. All right? And then it goes on, and, and then, then we then we get the parents involved in this. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, and Rebekah loved Jacob. Now, now here. And there's a a God story here and a man story in this text. The the man story here is the the parents don't do their children any good here, do they? Now, let me just throw this in as well. You can like one of your children better than the other, but you cannot love one better than the other. And and what I mean by that is, is liking. I mean, there's certain things one does, and it just kind of you connect with that. Well, that's all right. But you don't see one as higher value than the other. You don't see one's best beyond, uh, above the other's best. Because what love is, is, is self-sacrifice, self-sacrificial action, wanting what is the very best or what is supremely good for them. And, and when somehow we put people on, a, on, a, on a, a list where one is more important than the other, then we're not loving them as Christ loves us. And as God loves us. And in- in- inherent here is when things went wrong. Now, in the home, as well as outside the home, we're called to not only love our neighbors, but to, to love our enemies. Now, I-, I guess the action set for that is-, is that we are called to be fair. Now, I know in the home, that's, that's what any child says when they don't like what you did. You're not fair. Now, I'm not talking about counting out the M&Ms and making sure each one got the right co- same color of the M&Ms. We're not, we're not talking about that. But we're talking about doing what's best for them. That's what's fair. It's an amazing statement in Romans chapter 12, verse 16, particularly the first part of that. Be of the same what? Mind toward one another. We can't always choose what we like or dislike, but we can choose a response to people. And say, I value that person just as much as I value another. And in that home with Isaac and Rebekah, with Esau and Jacob, they missed it here. Now, I'm not trying to figure out the sovereignty of God and the free will of man here. But as parents, they could have done better here. And part of the conflict that arose, arose because two people did not treat others with the same mind. We need people are different because people are different doesn't mean they are worse than somebody else and then finally however and this is what gets down not only at the horizontal level but at the vertical level Uh, children and we could also say people make choices Uh, listen to the rest of the story i'll just tell the rest of the story remember the rest of the story here esau is off hunting and Jacob is back in the tent, and he's making dinner for everybody. And he has this beautiful red stew, and he's really hungry. Esau comes in for I don't know how long he's gone. He is just famished. And uh, he says, I want some of your stew. He says, I'm not going to give you my stew. I've been making this. And he said, well, I want to I, I eat right now. He says, well, what are you going to give me for that? Well, I'll give you my birthright. You give me your, your what? Your birthright. Well, will you swear to it? I swear to it, I want to eat right now. And Esau gives up his birthright for a dinner. Now, this is is where life happens, isn't it? Our our life largely is made up of the choices and decisions we've made in the past or the decisions we're going to make in the future. And there's two things I want to point out here. Number one, the obvious. Esau made the wrong choice. Now, why did he make the wrong choice? One, at that moment he was hungry. But let's go beyond that. The, The reason he... He made the wrong choices because he, he didn't want what he had. You know what? The, uh, to be the firstborn in that particular family was not only to, to have a position of honor and, and leadership in the home, but it was also to be a spiritual leader. He, he, he had no desire for that. I mean, if he gave up that, what has he given up? He, I don't want that responsibility. You, 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 take, you like being in the tent. You like to talk to mom. You know, dad will eventually listen to you. You just take it. I just want to eat right now. And whenever we sacrifice the immediate for that which is most important, we made the wrong choice. And whenever we sacrifice a physical pleasure for a spiritual commitment, we made the wrong choice. But you could also look at at Jacob at that moment. Well, what did Jacob do? Did he try to influence Esau to make the right choice? No, he he wanted what he had. And we find out later He and his mom wants even more of what Esau has. He wants his blessing. What do we need to do as we face choices and as people we care about face choices? We want to be prepared. Prepared to do whatever we can to influence people to make the right choices. You know, as parents, and we can look. This is a whole other sermon in itself. And Hebrews chapter twelve it says this. Furthermore, we have human, we've had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? Now, in the context of that passage, basically he's talking about discipline. God disciplining us is like uh, 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 human parents discipline us. And you, you remember that 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 familiar phrase that that we've either heard or we've used. This is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you. Remember that? Well, you know, Why, why do parents take the time, and hopefully they take the time, to give consequences for actions? It's because they enjoy doing it? Well, that would be sadistic. The reason they do it is because they want to influence future choices. Okay, you made a bad choice here. I'm going to give you a consequence so that when this choice comes up again, you're not going to make the same choice. They're trying to influence... Not only the behavior, but it shaped the heart. And that's what we want to do with people. We, we want to share the good news with them. Sometimes we have to share the corrective news to them. Now, what's the point this morning? As I've, I've, I've kind of taken a story, an event out of Genesis chapter 25, and tried to pl- apply it to the beginning of a new year. Uh, th- this is my point. That God wants us to be on His agenda. Not only this year, but next year. How many years He gives us. Not only today, but tomorrow. And for that to happen, we need to know what's most important. What's most important, hopefully for us, is as Joshua. For, for me and my household, we're going to serve the Lord's most important. But as we serve the Lord, the, the the fallout from that is people are important to us. And particularly, as we look at Genesis chapter 25, the home is the, is the is the feeding ground for what happens next. And we want to influence others. And to influence others, we need to recognize we need to see them as God sees them. They are gifts that he's allowed to enter into our experience. Uh, They they have value. They they can be helpful even when we don't say, "How, how is Isaac and Ishmael ever going to get back together? But they did. There are going to be challenges. People aren't easy to love. You don't believe that? Ask my wife. (laughs) People are different. And and, and so we can't we can't change some of the differences. Esau was always going to be an outside man. Jacob is always going to be an inside man. They're just different, but they should be still loved with the same mind. People will make choices. Some of them are going to break our hearts. And no matter what we do, they'll still make those choices. But on our end, we want to do everything that we can to influence people to make the right choice. Of course, the right choice to begin this year is what Jesus said in in Matthew 6. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Put God first. Then everything else will come to pass. let's, Let's be on God's agenda as we begin this year. Let's pray together. Father, well, I pray as we, uh, as we just begin a new year together that we might re- remind ourselves that, that what's most important is connecting with the living Christ. Father, I'm so glad that you made it very plain, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe on his name. It's a matter of choosing to trust and rely upon Jesus being the one who can make us a new person on the inside. And then follow from that. Then it's a matter of just simply living for you and obeying you and and seeking day by day to grow stronger and more faithful in our relationship with you. Help us to be the kind of people you want us to be in 2013. And we pray us in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. As we conclude our time,